Hey friends, welcome to episode 129 of Motherhood in Hollywood. My guest today is Adam Rivietz. He is the CSO and co-founder of Hashtag Paid. And we are going to talk about influencer marketing, branding, how it relates to celebrities, influencers, and moms at home, dads at home. So much good information. You guys are going to love it. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys quickly about our sponsor. Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Smile direct club. And if you've been listening along, you know that I started this um, just over a week ago and I'm already moved on to my second set of aligners because honestly, my teeth have been sort of changing as I get older. They're spreading apart a little. I'm starting to notice more gaps, definitely notice discoloration because hello, I drink a lot of coffee and wine and booze. (laughs) But I'm so excited because I am taking control of my smile and the changes that are happening with it. And Smile Direct does that by week by week, you change out your aligners and there are little plastic, you know, impressions of your teeth that do gradual incremental changes week by week until eventually your teeth are where you want them to be and where they should be to get that beautiful smile. And who doesn't want to have a beautiful smile? Okay. So definitely go and check that out. And here's the deal that you're getting from Motherhood in Hollywood. If you guys go to smiledirectclub.com, you can enter the code Heather Smiles and you'll get 50% off of the in-home impression kit. That means if you want to just do it from home, give your own impressions, you mail it back in and then they send you your liners, you'll get half off of that process. Or if you live in a city that has one of their new smile shops, you can make an appointment, enter the code Heather Smiles, or give them the code Heather Smiles when you get there, and you get a free scan of your teeth. It's really cool. They do this 3D x-ray scan thing. Um, sorry, I'm not very technical about it. They do this 3D scan of your teeth, and if you enter the code Heather Smiles, you can do that for free and see how you can change your smile. Yay! All about I'm all about making life a little better and a little easier and making myself feel better. Um, and I hope you guys will come along with me on this journey. Okay. All right, here we go. Hello, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prudes perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, friends. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. I know I am. I watched the Grammys last night. That was a lot of fun. Kind of an interesting show this year. It was kind of uh, a little more serious than in years past. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, But I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you because my guest today is Adam Rivietz. He is the co-founder and CSO of a company called Hashtag Paid. It is an influencer marketing platform. And basically what that means is they're sort of the middleman between influencers and brands and big companies and help coordinate ads and ad campaigns. Excuse me. So Adam is talking about how 
social media influencers, social media ads are changing and evolving. And I think a lot of the moms and dads listening to this, a lot of people listening to this would be curious to know how you can sort of up your game when it comes to influencer marketing, how you, how the industry is changing away from like traditional television ads and radio ads and how truly important influence on social media has become. That's something over the last year and a half that I've really learned a lot about and have fully embraced and I'm trying to learn more about. So I'm hoping to kind of impart this knowledge to you, whether you're an actor, whether you're a mom blogger, whether you're a business owner, um, whatever your goals and situation might be, this is valuable information. And it's a little bit of a departure from what we normally talk about on Motherhood in Hollywood, but that's okay. I'm all about being a well-rounded podcast. (laughs) We're all about sharing information that everybody can use. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So for this week, I have some pretty cool activities, fun things coming up in motherhood in Hollywood land. I am going to a media screening of Peter Rabbit, and then I'm going to go interview the cast at a press junket, and I'm so excited. It looks like it's going to be a really funny take on um, this classic tale of Peter Rabbit. So if you guys grew up reading the Peter Rabbit movies, this could be a fun movie to take the kids to. And Universal Kids is launching a brand new TV show. If you guys aren't familiar with Universal Kids, it's used to be Sprout, the Sprout Network. Now they're launching uh, a new show called Beat the Clock. It's kind of a game show and Channing and I get to go play and check it out this week. So I'm very excited about that. Um, fun times, lots of good things ahead this week. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful week as well. I also want to take a minute to say thank you so much to everyone who reached out um, about my episode uh, a couple episodes back where I was talking about female friendships and the heartbreak that comes when um, those friendships don't work out. And when women are mean to each other, Um, and, uh, I really appreciate everyone who took the time to message me and email me and let me know that they are, you have either gone through something similar or are going through something similar or just wanted to pass along words of encouragement. I appreciate it so much and I feel it. And, um, you guys are the best. I'm going to be okay. It's hard and it's still difficult because it's in my face every day, but I'll be okay. Really. I promise. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's get right to my interview with Adam because I think you guys are going to love what he has to say. And feel free, of course, to make sure you subscribe to Motherhood in Hollywood so you don't miss this episode and share it. If you've got a friend who is a mommy blogger looking to up their social media game or their presence online, um, share this episode with them because I think they'll really learn a lot because I know I did. All right, here's my interview with Adam Rivietz, the CSO and co-founder of Hashtag Paid. So I have a lot of questions for my guest today, you guys. He doesn't realize how many questions I have yet. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited to welcome Adam Rivietz. He's a CSO and co-founder of Paid. Now, you're probably wondering, what is paid? It's hashtag paid, right? I want to make sure I say it that correctly. It is hashtag paid. Hashtag paid. Hashtag paid, correct. <laughs> That's important. It's all about the name. Uh, it's all about your title, all about the branding. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Now, tell me, Adam, what is hashtag paid? All right. So hashtag paid is really a facilitator, a middleman, so to speak, And on one side, we have our creators, our influencers, people who have 
thousands, if not millions of followers on social media. On the other side, we have the biggest brands on planet Earth. And we are right in the middle strategizing how they can collaborate, how they can work together, and how these influencers can create content on behalf of the brand and then distribute it and post about it to all of their followers on social media. Now, how long has Hashtag Paid been uh, in existence? Like, how, how long ago did you start the company? So my best friend, Brian Gold, and I actually thought of the idea about four and a half years ago now. So we thought about it in the summer of 2013, and then we actually launched the business in June of 2014 uh, once we you know, got into an incubator and things became more serious. Uh, so just about three and a half years full time. So is your background then like marketing or is it, um, uh, I almost said internet, <laughs> but that's not, I'm sure that's not the exact title. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My father has, uh, run his own business for over 30 years. My mother's father was an entrepreneur. It's sort of just been in my blood. Uh, I started my first business in high school, actually, and then went to university in Canada, uh, where I'm originally from, just outside of Toronto, a couple hours outside of Toronto. It actually has the number one business school, because originally I thought, hey, a business degree would help me be a better entrepreneur. But what I realized while I was there uh, was that that wasn't the case for me. And so I actually dropped out of university at the beginning of my third year to then pursue uh, another business that was an app development agency and I wanted to be a top app developer and launch as many apps as I could, not being a programmer. So I hired a couple teams in India and ended up pumping out over two dozen apps in 2013. Uh, and then that got me into an, to be more of an internet entrepreneur, so to speak. Um, and that is what eventually led me to thinking of the idea for hashtag paid. Now, is Hashtag Paid an app or is it an app and website? So currently it is a web app. So it operates the same as an app, but it is accessed on through, through the web versus the app store. Okay. And as I mentioned earlier, I said paid instead of Hashtag Paid. And then I had to correct myself because names of companies and brands are so important. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, when someone is looking for a name or if they want to start a business or they're looking to launch their own, you know, try to be an influencer or whatever. Um, what do you tell people? Do you tell them just to follow their passion or do you say you, they really should strategize a good name and like all of that stuff? Like what is... What is the best advice for someone getting started? So why why I have a big smile on my face and laughed is because <laughs> during the 20 seconds of you asking that question, I just had a flashback to us thinking of the name for the company uh -huh. and how long it took us and the process we did. It's actually so ridiculous. Mm. So Brian and I, my co-founder and I, we are both very creative we care about design we want everything to look and sound great and it almost is a negative thing because we'll take a lot of extra time to polish something up where that time could be spent potentially doing something else that's more revenue generating or whatnot but anyways when it came to the name of the company when we actually first started and thought of the idea in 2013 we were really called insta elite the elite of instagram 
And for a variety of reasons, we changed the name. One, because we were too boxed into Instagram, if our mm -hmm. name had Insta in it. Mm -hmm. And just elite, Insta elite is kind of hard to pronounce. And the word elite just made it too elitist. And while we wanted it to be exclusive and that, you know, we recognize a very small percentage of social media users can actually monetize their following. It just it wasn't the approach we wanted to take. Uh, and then we sat and tried to brainstorm new names. So we did all these exercises that we read about online. We had huge chart papers. We were writing out every word we could think of that related to influencers or or brands or marketing or social media and we had hundreds of words and then we started mixing and matching and we almost settled on this name called Launchbox which we thought was relatively appropriate mm -hmm. and for three weeks we designed new logos and planned on launching the business uh, with this name Launchbox and one day we had a great day at the office <clears throat> we're both driving home from downtown Toronto to the suburbs where our parents lived at the time and over the 45 minute drive we were talking about the FTC and then mandating that you have to post uh, that if a sponsor that if, that if a post is sponsored, um, it has to have a form of disclosure, a hashtag ad sponsored or paid. Mm -hmm. And then we were talking about how cool it is that only like one percent of the Internet actually gets paid to post while everyone else is just consuming and posting. And then it was like, whoa. It's always been cool to be sponsored, but that's too long of a word. And you can't call someone an ad, but it's it's cool to be hashtag paid. I would love to say I'm hashtag paid. And then we, when we were just like so in the moment loving it, we're like, that's what the company needs to be called. It serves <laughs> the businesses from a mandatory disclosure perspective and speaks to that. And then it also speaks to the fact that we are legitimately monetizing social media for anyone who's famous on the Internet. We can get you hashtag paid. So you came to this conclusion, you've got this great, clever name in sort of like a roundabout way. Um, I would love to know, you said something just now, only 1% of the people on the internet or influencers or whatever are paid. Well, first of all, who is it that's getting paid? Is it just influencers? Is it celebrities? Um, who's getting paid? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so there are varying definitions of what an influencer is, then you throw in micro, macro, mm -hmm. in, you know, influencer, celebrity, hybrids. Um, so we have two major distinctions and then a few, I would say, subcategories of influencers. So there's celebrities, which we consider someone to have real world traditional fame. So they were either on the radio or on TV or in movies and thus they are what we would consider a celebrity and typically have a million plus followers mm -hmm. then in the influencer world we consider an influencer someone who their entire fame how they became who they are how they grew their follower base was either solely or in majority built online so that's mm -hmm. the first major differentiator real world versus online because what we find is the influencers the people who built their fame up online they're the ones who are really pushing the needle for brands mm -hmm. and that's because they actually have a much higher engagement rate if you take a traditional celebrity and a social media first influencer and they both have a million followers nine times out of ten the social first influencer is going to have more people a higher percentage 
of their followers liking, commenting, sharing their content, which thus gives them a higher engagement rate. That's and so when a brand is pricing out these influencers or when they're working with a company like hashtag paid to do that, we price our influencers based on engagement rate first and foremost, then follower count and then you know a variety of other metrics. Um, so first, there's the different definitions of celebrity and influencer. Then within an influencer category, we have our own version of macro and micro. So we consider macro or sorry, micro 5,000 to 100,000 followers. Mm -hmm. 5,000 is our minimum in terms of follower count to be qualified as an influencer. And then once you're over 100,000, between 100 and about 500,000 followers, that's where we would consider you a macro influencer. And then once you're at, you know, 500K or a million plus, you are the influencer equivalent of a celebrity. So you are on this higher tier. You're like an A-list influencer. Okay. So what I would like to know is, you know, when we're talking about influencers and, and numbers, are you're, when you say followers, you're talking specifically about Instagram in that case, right? So with hashtag paid, we are across every network. In uh -huh. most of my examples, or when I'm talking generally, it is about Instagram. And that's just because 80% of our campaigns run on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It is what we started in. Is what we, it's what we know best. And in our opinion, it's really what's leading social media right now for a variety of reasons. I was going to say, what is it about Instagram? Because that's where I do most of my business as well. That's where I get most of my ad revenue from is from Instagram. Even though I get decent engagement on both Twitter and Facebook, most of my ads come from people wanting to be on my Instagram. And I'm always fascinated by that because it's not seemingly not as interactive as like a Twitter where I can have a conversation with somebody or, you know, like doesn't have necessary. Well, it has the Instagram live, but like a Facebook live, it's just a little, it's different. It seems like it would be more engaging, but yet everybody wants to be on Instagram. Why is that? So firstly, um, especially tying to what you just said, Instagram actually has the highest organic engagement rate. So if a company or an influencer or a regular person is posting to their Instagram following automatically, just by posting on Instagram, you're going to have the highest likelihood of your followers seeing the post and then engaging with it. So across the board, Instagram has the highest engagement rates. So that okay. makes it more appealing to brands because they want more people seeing, liking, sharing at a lower cost. And then they can take advantage of the value of the influencer who has this organic following, a natural following that they built themselves versus having to pay Instagram or Facebook to boost you mm -hmm. to the audience that you want to target. So, so the engagement rate is higher overall. Sorry, I just, and then the second thing, my personal favorite part about Instagram um, is that it's a medium that lets you tell a story as an influencer, as a brand or a regular person in at least seven, maybe now eight or nine different ways. So that means that you can post a photo, a video, a cinemagraph, a boomerang, a mm -hmm. hyperlapse, a live stream, a story, that's seven right there. And mm -hmm. I'm sure they have more. You can now poll. There are so many ways to actually engage your audience and tell a story that will resonate with them. Whereas Twitter is just text and YouTube is mostly long form content. Vine is now dead. There aren't that many options out there. And Facebook is mostly news. And that's why Zuckerberg announced he's changing the feed to now get rid of fake news and be more focused on family and friends. 
but yeah, when you think of the landscape, the one where you're getting the most content and discovering the most is Instagram. That's so fascinating because I'm as since I started motherhood in Hollywood, it started as the podcast first, and then I've sort of grown everything else around it, the website and then the social media platforms. And for me, I've spent the past like year and a half just focusing on growing my Instagram because I remember reading that it is the most um, utilized platform for advertisers. And that has proven to be true for sure. Like no, hardly ever will somebody say, Hey, we'd like you to, we'd like to pay you to tweet about this. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, Twitter has always been a very small percentage of our, of our campaigns of your campaigns. Um, I would love to know how you are able to decipher the fake people on Instagram. Cause I have a lot of colleagues and, you know, fellow, um, mom bloggers and other influencers and things like that, that have either like bought following, um, uh, I myself have done like giveaways that have tried to help like boost the number of followers I have. Um, and I know a lot of people buy likes and they buy comments and all of that. So it seems like it's very easily manipulated. So how do you kind of decipher who's truly an influencer? So we have our own vetting criteria of what we consider an influencer to be. And then once we set that criteria, we put measures in place to actually vet the influencers according to that, both from a human perspective and the human touch being involved in the vetting Mm -hmm. and technology that we've built. So high level from a vetting standpoint, the criteria we have set are you have to have at least 5,000 followers, which I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. You have to be a real person and creating real content. So ideally you're in at least a third of the images you're posting Mm -hmm. so that your audience can actually form a relationship with you, the person behind the camera. Uh, You also need to be creating the content yourself. You can't just be aggregating other people's content. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's again, part of the value that a brand is getting from you being the content creator yourself is that you can then create branded content at a fraction of the cost that they would pay a traditional creative agency or, you know, a variety of other ways that they get content. Influencers are, you know, something like five roles in one. They're the creative director, they're the photographer, they're the editor, they're the talent, they're the makeup person, they're the wardrobe person. Right, right. Um, so all these costs are reduced. So the content is very important and part of the reason why brands are hiring influencers. So in addition to them creating their own content, they also have to have at least a 1% engagement rate. So typically the lower follower count you have, the higher your engagement rate will be. But as you grow in follower count, your engagement rate is is reduced. So that's why we set 1% at the minimum to at least see that you have a substantial engagement. enough engagement rate. Yeah. And then we'll even do direct comparisons where, again, if you have if two people have a million followers and someone's getting 100,000 likes or comments and someone else is getting a thousand that's an auto red flag that either the person with the hundred thousand is buying their likes or the other person bought their followers and that's like a quick check that anyone can do you want to 
check the likes and comments on someone's accounts. And you want to make sure that it is on par with the average in their follower range. See, cause I have, I've seen that before where I'll see somebody who has like half a million followers, but they'll have like 50,000 likes on their picture and like 2000 comments. And I'm like, is that unusual? Cause that seems really unusual to me. And then you'll go and you'll look and it'll be like just a bunch of emojis and you know, like stuff like that. And, and I never know if, you know, people who are looking to buy ads and stuff like that, look at something like that, or if they just are like, wow, it's all about the numbers. So I believe that last year, the average on Instagram was somewhere between two and 3% Mm -hmm. in terms of engagement rate. Mm -hmm. So our minimum is 1%. Then the lower follower count you have, again, your engagement rate is higher. For example, I've got 600 followers on Instagram and I get about 130 140 likes and that's you know what what's the math there that's like 20 percent yeah over 20 percent um and so that like you got to just see based on the follower count that they have in their range but around people who have that follower count what are they getting there are people like who have 500,000 followers that are getting 50,000 likes and 10 percent isn't too far above the average so that might be organic and then you'd want to hire that person to be an influencer because they have above average uh, engagement rates so those are all things that you want to be looking into when you're considering hiring an influencer and things that can come into our matching algorithm and when we're vetting influencers i'd love to get your thoughts on um the incident that happened with the influencer reaching out to a hotel chain for some free nights stay. Um, I read that article and uh, when the incident happened and I, and I was kind of reading about it when it came out and I saw some mixed reactions from social media experts and people who are um, influencers. So can you tell me a little bit about what happened and then give me your thoughts on if it should have been handled differently and, and that sort of thing? All right. This has been a much... <laughs> spoken about uh incident in the media and personally i don't think that there was anything wrong i'm shocked there was so much negativity Me around too. what the influencer did Me too i i honestly yeah. in that case is just like any other influencer that's what influencers do they have a following yeah they know that it's valuable to a brand they know that they could probably even charge that brand or that influencers are getting paid to do these things. And if they can get a few free nights at a hotel, all for the influencer to reach out. I'm all for the influencer reaching out to a hotel, restaurants, what have you, anything that they want to experience while they're on their trip to ask for something free. And I would say the only problem with what you you miss 100 percent of shots you don't take. So Mm -hmm. first and foremost, good for her. You definitely should be reaching out. If I had, if somebody published all of the emails where I reached out to somebody saying, Hey, I'd like to work with you. I'd like to collaborate with you. I'm interested in this, that sort of thing. People would be like, Oh my gosh, Heather's trying to get everything for free, but that's not the case. Like there's some stuff I just want to experience and share with my audience and my followers. Um, and it's not free. If they're shooting content, taking the time to shoot high quality imagery, post about it to their audience, potentially give image rights to the brand to repost that content and use it in their marketing material. It is mutually beneficial. It is not a free night stay. Thank you. And I would say the only thing she did wrong was not ask for money. 
we're called hashtag paid. We're not called hashtag free. You know, it's great that influencers can get free stuff, but professionals don't work for free. And if you are an influencer and understand your value, you don't work for free. Even if you ask for a hundred dollars, you deserve to be compensated. And in the travel industry, you know, trips are expensive. Hotels are expensive. So it's a little more acceptable to be accepting free hotel nights or free stays or free flights. But across the board, we encourage all influencers to be a reaching out to brands all the time. If they know what they're worth and what they can offer a brand, then so be it. And second to that, they should be asking for payment. I completely agree with you. I have told a lot of my friends who are just starting out and influencing that you should ask to be paid, even if it's something, yeah, like a hundred bucks or you don't feel like you have a big enough following or whatever, you should ask to be paid because I know I have spent hours, countless hours in, uh, uh, photographing stuff, um, cultivating my following, responding to messages, like building up a business and building up a curated, engaged following on my social media channels. And then to just give it away for free is, is mind blowing to me, mind boggling. Like, but I know a lot of influencers do that because they, you know, they maybe want to work with a company or maybe they're too afraid to ask to be paid. But what this woman did was she reached out to the hotel and she asked them for a few free, a few nights stay for free in exchange for coverage of the hotel and the hotel. I don't know if it was the owner or maybe manager, but he basically like put her on blast and put it on social media on his, on think on their Facebook page that she was asking for free stuff and, um, you know, like basically calling her entitled and like, um, you know, wasn't very professional about it. And then where I, th- I think she misstepped was going online and doing a video about it. Like, and then it became a back and forth kind of a thing. I think, you know, she kind of, yeah, then it's just a knife fight on social right. media. And that's and not I'm, good for I'm anybody's for the brand. controversy. Yeah. But, uh, she, you know, some people like this was a, a heated debate in our office and some people said, you know, she could have been a little more professional, a little less demanding. Um, I didn't actually read her exact messaging of what she wrote. But uh, in any situation, in any professional setting, when you're trying to sell, me being, you know, the leader of our sales team and managing salespeople and just being someone who runs a business, whenever you're selling yourself or your company or a product, you have to be professional and you have to really appeal to the audience you're selling to. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, she could definitely improve on her sales approach. But I think overall, her reaching out to a company asking for anything for free or for payment to do work for them is just like anyone sending a resume to a company saying, hey, I want a job. I don't think there is any problem with what she did. Do you think that because of the time we're living in right now where social media is so prevalent in such a huge part of our lives, do you think that there is a generation of people who are somewhat entitled or have a somewhat of an expectation of, well, I have this following on YouTube or, or Instagram or whatever. Um, and that there's an expectation to be paid and for any kind of coverage or any products or anything like that. Well, so again, we're called hashtag paid. We're trying to enable people to make a living doing whatever it is they love, creating content, sharing it with the world Mm -hmm. and, you know, monetizing that following and engagement. So I'm all for people getting paid to do work. 
whether, you know, whether that's creating content or distributing that content or going to events, what have you. Um, but I do think that there are many influencers who once they hit a certain follower count or certain, you know, engagement level that they do put themselves on a pedestal where I don't believe they should because <laughs> they only built their audience in the first place because they're so real and genuine mm-hmm. and care about their following and spend time replying back to them on Instagram. Like the same way that you treated your audience when you had 5,000 followers is how you should be treating them when you have 100,000, 500,000 or beyond. Um, I know it's going to be a lot harder because you're going to have that many more people hounding you for attention and mm-hmm. asking you for things, but you still have to treat them all with respect and you still have to realize that you are just a human being like anyone else and you don't deserve anything else over everyone else over anyone else, but you still have value to offer it's the still a business industry and it's still a business and you deserve to make money. You just have to, again, be professional and just like celebrities are treated like this whole other breed of human and people, mm-hmm. you know, praise them and bow down to them and hound them and paparazzi and all these things that exist around celebrities in society. Uh, I think influencers are becoming this new celebrity and they're realizing it. The rest of the world is slowly realizing it. They're getting more attention. They're in the media more and they are being appreciated almost as much, if not more in certain circumstances than a traditional celebrity. So I get why they feel that way, mm-hmm. but my recommendation to all influencers is be humble, which I think any celebrity would say they try and do. Uh, so, you know, remember that you only got famous in the first place because of how much you cared about your audience and don't, don't let the money and the fame and exciting events and experiences blind you. Would you think it was suspicious or weird if there's like, just like a random mom blogger that has like millions of followers or would you be Definitely like... Definitely not. Would you be like, oh, that makes sense. She's obviously found a successful... Or he, or maybe dad bloggers, whatever. Um, they've obviously found a successful niche and are like going for it. Oh, I think there is nothing wrong with mommy bloggers or daddy bloggers. The Why they're called... Like we, I've just said 80% of our deals are on Instagram and we're sitting here calling them mommy bloggers. And that's because blogs were arguably the earliest form of mm-hmm. kind of social media on the internet. And they were the original celebrities of blogs. These mommies would, you know, a lot of them were at home a lot of the day taking care of their kids, trying different products. And they were like, okay, I'll talk about it on the internet. Mm -hmm. And they amassed these huge followings by other women who were mothers who weren't able to stay home and who were at work, who didn't have the time to do all the research for these products and so on. And there was an immediate value exchange. And all of these super busy working moms would learn from, these super busy stay at home moms who were just raising kids instead of working. And Mm -hmm. there was this immediate value exchange that got these mommy bloggers, huge followings. So there's, as long as there's a value exchange, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And from a hashtag paid perspective back, you know, ballpark math, I would probably assume that a quarter of our influencers are mommies or, or daddies. Um, and a lot of our clients, like we're pushing paper towel and toilet paper and a lot of houseware products. And there's no one better to promote that than the mother in the family or Mm -hmm. a mother, um, who's making the purchasing decisions for that household. So, uh, I think it's great. I think it's a great way for stay at home moms to 
have something to do while they're at home. Not that, not that taking care <laughs> of kids isn't, but like, you know, to occupy their, like just more of their time and to share their experience. And again, share that with other moms who aren't able to stay at home with their kids all day so, um, and, and be that stay at home mom. So sort of mommy blogging has shifted to mommy social media, <laughs> like mommy yes, Instagramming. Exactly. Um, yes. Do you think that, um, in influencing and the world of like Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, do you think that it is going to, it's proving to be more valuable to brands than like a traditional TV ad or radio ad? Um, are, are you seeing any sort of shift where they're cutting back on maybe their television budgets, which can be astronomical in order to spend a little less to get more engagement and more niched, um, with influencers as with influencers? A hundred percent. So I believe last year, 2017, was the first year that digital ad spend actually outweighed TV ad spend, oh, wow. um, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, this isn't live, so maybe just verify that, but I'm percent <laughs> sure that that is true. Uh, and so on that point of it outweighing digital, or sorry, digital outweighing TV spend, that just shows that a social media people speaking to people and sharing their, you know, word of mouth or digital word of mouth recommendations works and that people listen to other people when they're making purchasing decisions and social media has allowed more people to connect more opinions to be shared, more ratings and reviews to be shared of products and the entire real anything in the economy you can rate and review now, even individual people like Uber drivers or servers at restaurants and now with influencers the top social media users having a voice and brands wanting to leverage that voice to deliver their message to a target audience you're getting the top top notch users who have the most followers who have the largest voices who have the highest engagement rates delivering powerful messages on behalf of brands and it's resonating. And we even ran a Nielsen study that proves that A, content created by influencers resonates more with the target audience. And that's because it's created by someone that you look up to, that you have this one-to-one relationship with that knows how to create content that's going to perform well on social media. That's why they've risen to the top of social media as content creators. And B, It shows that social media ads perform better, or sorry, influencer-generated ads and generated content actually performs better at the middle of the funnel. So when it comes to consideration and purchase intent, you, you will actually consider a product and may buy it and then look to purchase it because of what an influencer had said. So in the top of the funnel, in the brand awareness stage, there are definitely less expensive ways to go out and have your brand plastered in front of a lot of eyeballs, whether that's billboards or TV or radio or magazines. But what we've proven is that a consumer won't actually consider buying your product until it's been validated by a third party, by one of their peers, like an influencer. And that's when you start moving a potential consumer down the funnel, down your sales and marketing funnel, uh, once it's been validated by an influencer, by someone who they have a relationship with, 
that have, is an expert in your industry, ideally, um, that can really deliver your brand's message in an authentic way. So it really hits home with your target audience. I've noticed that there's a few brands um, that I have reached out to and wanting to work with that are pretty well-known brands that insist on not paying influencers for their posts because they kind of just feel like they don't need to um, and don't really, maybe they're just not as um, into or aware of the influence of social media. Uh, I don't know, but there's some pretty big brands and I'm always surprised when I come across that where they're like, no, we just give free product. And I'm like, really? Um, That's very frustrating for me because then I'm like, well, I guess I will never work with you then. <laughs> Cause like you said, I want to be hashtag paid, you know, that's. Yeah. So there are a couple issues that have led to that still existing. So on one side, there are cool brands that marketers have made look cool and appear cool that have a great message that people want to buy and will buy regardless of the cost, because they align with the brand and that brand has done a great job at sharing their message with the world. Um, That happens with a lot of fashion brands. You think of any designer company, Louis Vuitton, what have you, they can charge thousands of dollars for a piece of leather because they have a super high quality brand that they've tied to their product. So in those cases, it's in a lot of luxury brand cases because their product is so expensive because of their brand, they're able to gift very expensive products to Mm -hmm. influencers in exchange for content and distribution to their following. So that's one issue that the issue makes it sound negative, but that's one thing that is adding to why, these influencers are still working for free or for free product because these products are expensive and they're tied to luxury brands. And on the flip side, in like the travel industry, for example, trips are expensive, flights are expensive, mm-hmm. hotels are expensive, gorgeous resorts and villas are expensive. And they have a high ticket item that they can barter with an influencer for. So I think if you're in a luxury industry or if you are in the travel industry or just have a high ticket priced item, you will have a higher likelihood of an influencer solely accepting free product or bartering with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we've you know done deals with high high class car companies and luxury auto brands that definitely don't need to pay, but they're also not willing. Their their product is almost too expensive, but they're not just going to give it away for free. Right. So they'd rather pay. So there's this like sweet spot where your product is, you know, higher end. It's not an everyday purchase, but it's not too expensive that, you you know, you don't want to give it away for free. So I think those brands are in a unique position. But for the most part, influencers, A, should not be working for free and brands should be paying. Um, but yeah, there is still an opportunity for some brands. It's so funny to, that you say that because a couple of the companies I was thinking about were car companies. And I was like, I don't necessarily expect a, you to give me a car, but I would expect some kind of payment for me to post about your car or take a picture of my family in it. Um, I find too that I'm more particular in working with a brand when my daughter is involved because that's almost like like living out here in LA, you know, there's casting calls, there's commercials, there's movies and all this stuff. There are kids who are 
actors and get paid to be in ads and commercials. But there's a lot of companies that expect just because you have an Instagram or Facebook following that you'll just post a picture with your kid and their product and give you a couple hundred bucks. But they're paying an actor tens of thousands of dollars to be in a commercial. And so for me, I have a problem with that when it comes to my daughter. Like, But I, get, I need to apply the same rules to myself, I suppose, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, this is all so fascinating to me. And I... I know I could talk to you for another hour, but I'm going to let you go <laughs> so you can get uh, get on with your day. But um, I would love for you to. Well, t- did you want me to comment on the parents and kids? Oh, and sure, kids yeah, content? absolutely. So yeah, we have a lot of parents that have kids, obviously making them parents, and brands <laughs> will want them to have their children in the images or videos or what have you, and usually the influencer will charge an additional fee to have their child in the image or in the video, in the content that's being created. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are not, it's not the same fee as that they would pay for an actor. And I think that just ties into the second issue that I was going to bring up that with regards to the question about pricing and free product is that there is a huge discrepancy between what a brand thinks an influencer is worth, what influencers think or know that they're worth and what brands have been paying traditionally for content and distribution. Yeah. So influence traditionally brands have had to go to creative agencies who, as I mentioned, have huge teams of people who charge thousands of dollars for a single image. Whereas now an influencer can create better content that actually, you know, resonates better with the target audience because they know how to create that for social and they can create high quality content because iPhones and digital cameras have just become so much better for such cost effective prices that it makes sense for influencers to be creating their own content and for brands to be leveraging that from a global perspective. Like you can get content. It might be winter in New York, but you need a car driving down by the beach mm-hmm. and you can crowdsource content from all around the world, have influencers from anywhere creating that content. And then influencers just don't understand that brands have been paying such high dollar amounts for photos and videos, and they're happy to get paid anything because they're just enamored by the fact that they have this following, that people are willing to give them free product, let alone pay them. So they're happy to get any money. And I think influencers need to come together um, or some form of governing body needs to come together to really set the rates and protect the rights of influencers because like you mentioned, children being in a photo is different. What mm-hmm. about an influencer who takes a product shot versus the influencer's face being in, in it? This is a discussion we have internally about the likeness of a photo. If you're plastering a photo of someone's face on a billboard or then using it on social media and buying millions of impressions, but you only paid someone a few hundred dollars to take that photo and post it on their account once, should the influencer get royalties or get a percentage of mm-hmm. the spend that you put behind that so these are discussions that we actors have internally actors. exactly mm-hmm. exactly just like they have actra and all these unions and organizations that protect actors or even if you think of as a canadian the hockey and you know hockey nhl the national hockey league they have the nhlpa the players association and so does every other major sports franchise and league they have associations that defend the rights of players and i think as influencers continue to gain fame and as the press and the world realizes their value they will have to come together or someone will have to bring them together 
to really set the stage and set the rights set and like a the pricing rate. for the industry. That's so. I just don't. I don't even know how they would begin to do that. You know, I'm. Um, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild because I'm an actor as well. So I know how much I get paid as an actor. And it's sometimes a lot more than what I get paid as an influencer. And um, whenever I work with a brand, they can take my picture and use it however they want and post it wherever they want. Usually everybody's pretty good about asking. But there's been a few times where someone has taken a picture of my child and then posted it on their website or posted it on their own Instagram without asking. And they didn't pay me for it. So I've had to ask them to take it down. Um, so yeah, I just, there's a lo- little bit of muddied water there where it's, I feel like things, especially with kids should be clear. That's why I try to be very strict um, and cautious whenever I'm handling something with my daughter. If it's something just for me, I'm a little more like loose with it. But um yeah, it's all very fascinating. I'd be curious to see how it evolves over the next few years as the number of influencers rise, um, as the number of you know people and brands are um, become more aware of influencers and start utilizing them more. It's all very fascinating. Exactly. The, in- the industry is just in its infancy, and as mm-hmm. it continues to mature and companies like mine you know, really work with influencers and brands to better coordinate how they work together, uh, you know, these standards will be set. But that's a mission of our company for sure. Now, if somebody wants to sign up for hashtag paid, uh, what do they need to do? All you have to do is go to hashtag paid.com, spell that out, H-A-S-H-T-A-G paid.com. And if you are a brand, you can sign up on the marketer's page. If you're an influencer, you can sign up on the influencer's page. Uh, and even without signing up, you can even scroll to the bottom of the landing page and input the number of engagements that you get, and it will actually tell you what you should be charging uh, for an Instagram post. So if anyone wants to check out the tool, the pricing algorithm that we've developed, it's as simple as going on to the website. I checked it out, and I am undercharging. (laughs) So that was good to know. Um, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, everybody, I'm going to put up information about hashtag paid on motherhoodinhollywood.com as well as some more tips and information from Adam. Make sure you head to motherhoodinhollywood.com to check that out. And you're following me on Instagram at motherhoodinhollywood and Facebook at motherhoodinhollywood as well. Have a wonderful week, everybody. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. balls.